Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. It is uh, good to be with you this morning. Um, I took your pastor to the airport yesterday, and as they were leaving the house, dropping off their three children, it sounded strange for all three of them to say, see you next year. I wanted to protest that. And if you're a grandparent, you know exactly what I mean by that. But, because it sounded a lot longer than it is. <laughs> I love my grandchildren, but I'm glad they have parents. Hallelujah. I put in my time along with my wife raising uh, the two dads, <clears throat> and it's not my responsibility to raise their children, thank God. <laughs> now, I'm sure if something ever happened, I would have to get a divorce to refuse to participate in raising them, and I'm not going to divorce her. She is my life second to Jesus, but um, praise God. It is good to be here. It's good to see you and uh, what's really awesome is to see people I do not know. That's so positive to see faces. I don't have a clue who you are. That proves that God's at work and uh, the people of this church are giving themselves to him. Uh, if you know me at all, you know I've never been into seasonal messages. I realize that in some elements of Christianity, when it's a certain season, you're supposed to preach a certain type of message. So that is my disclaimer today because this is going to sound like a seasonal message with this being New Year's Eve, but it's not. The Lord spoke this to me. Uh, a couple of days ago and it's been working in my spirit and I've been doing this for 49 years now so I know how to recognize that and what that means and so I'm humbling myself today to preach a see what would appear to be a seasonal message <laughs> but um, for some I know and some I do not know, this is not a sermon. If you could receive it for what it is, it is God himself talking to you. He is trying to help you. I don't normally give titles to the words that I minister but I'm going to this morning before I read a scripture this is the text or the title he is the God of new beginnings he is the God of new beginnings Jesus name We uh, live in a day where man seems to be determined to um, play God. 
we really don't, we live in a society that honestly believes that you can determine you are not what you are and you can choose to be what you are not, what you are not created to be and everybody is supposed to respect that. Of course, we, we, you know, that only works if it's you making the pronouncement. I mean, I could stand here today and say that I am, I'm from the uh, 15th century. And you probably would either laugh or think I've lost my mind. But in our culture today, people are supposed to accept what you say about yourself without question. And so there are some anti-time travel-isms, or ists today. Anti-time, you know, you understand my point? There are people that, uh, well, I don't believe in that. Well, there are things I don't believe either, but our culture says I have to believe them or I'm branded. Right? Well, I am on a crusade. This is not new to those of you that know me, but I am on a crusade. I am on a crusade against Christian religionism. I am against Christianity being practiced as a religion. I'm against going to church and thinking that that somehow fulfills some kind of obligation that keeps your eternal life insurance premiums paid. I'm against that. I'm against the idea that if I do good, if I do more good than bad, I'm going to be saved. That is the fundamental tenet of every religion in the world. It's what Islam teaches, Hinduism teaches, Buddhism teaches. It's the fundamental tenet of all religions of the world. I do good. If I do more good than bad, I'm saved. And in Christian religious practices, that's exactly what is taught and preached and believed by many. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to do good. And I'm trying to do more good than bad because that's what saves me. But that is so foreign to the scripture. There's nothing even remotely close to that in the Bible. It's not in there. And the problem with that is when you are, when you're trying to do more good than bad so you can be saved or you've done bad stuff and you don't see any hope of being any better, uh, either one of those, both of those are products of Christian religious ideas that I've got to try hard to be good 
try hard to do right. And, uh, or if I've done so much bad that there's no hope of me doing more good than that, I might as, there's no hope for me. I might as well give up. God is eternal and unchangeable. He can't lie. He can't do evil. He can't. But our greatest curse is our greatest blessing. And that's called flesh. Psalm 78 says it this way. Verse 35. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all of his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. My Joel's oldest child rode to church with me this morning and uh, you may not know this but the person that my grandchildren know is different than what you may know I love to pick at them we were sitting at the table last night and of course you know what do you call a bear with no teeth well that I take control of the game see what are you doing calling a bear I don't want a bear and this goes on back and forth and we went on like that for about 30 minutes so she got in the front seat this morning I said you're not old enough to sit in the front seat well that's like poking a bear Oh, yes, I am. I know, you're growing up too fast. The problem with you growing up fast, that means I'm getting old fast. So you need to slow down so I can slow down. And if you're under 50 today, there's very, it's very likely that you don't really understand this and don't worry about it. You'll catch up. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. In another place we're called like, we're identified as being like the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven. And the word grass, there's not talking about grass like the Kentucky bluegrass or whatever you may have in your yard. It is, it's talking about grains 
Wheat is a grass. All grains are grass. And if you let your grass in your yard grow up enough, it'll produce grains. That's where grass seed comes from. Hello. I mean, really. No, it comes from a bag at the store. No. Where did they get the stuff they put in the bag? Because somebody let their grass grow instead of keeping it cut short, and it, it produced seeds. And what is he saying? He's saying that <laughs> this is all really, really temporary. It's all really temporary. My wife and I were just chatting two days ago, and we are in our 50th year because that started on the 2nd of November, so we're in our 50th year. And, and uh, she said, that doesn't even sound right. No, it doesn't. It, it's weird. There's no way we have been married 50 years. There's no way I'll be 72 and 50. There's no way. Where did it go? I remember as a teenager, it felt like life was really slow. To get to drive, to graduate from high school, I thought they would never get there. Trust me, life doesn't stay slow. It doesn't slow down when you get older. It speeds up. And you feel like you're in an out-of-control vehicle barreling down the highway, life-changing. And it's so sad to me to, to stand here and... See, I'm not a public speaker. I'm a... Holy Ghost filled, Spirit filled minister of the gospel. And that means while I'm talking to you, I'm feeling stuff from you. You can't help but communicate. It's not possible for you not to. And it's really disappointing when you feel people sit who have really basically given up. They're just going through the motions. They've got so many problems and so many troubles and they don't believe they can be fixed. Or, or where parents have filled their kids with stuff they didn't intend to fill them with, all of their complaints and problems about life and anybody in authority that's done them wrong. It's just it's dinner table it, 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 the menu may change of what's in the bowls, but the menu of discussion is the same meal after meal. And so the kids hear all of this, and then the parents want to know why they end up not wanting to have any respect for authority when that's all they've heard the whole meal. And then when the kids make choices that the parents are embarrassed by or dismayed by, then, then parents begin 
and you see this all the time, then you see parents that have believed this and lived this that all of a sudden they get rid of all that because they can't face the facts their kids have made choices that are terrible. Well, you know what, honestly. <laughs> I've lived long enough now to know that my parents were not responsible for my choices and I can't blame my choices on my parents. When I look back through all of this, bottom line, my parents really can't take the blame or the credit for what I've become. Or people get married and they have high hopes and before the reception's over with, their hopes are on the downslide and and before the so-called honeymoon is done they've already wondered did they make a mistake why because you figured out you didn't marry an angel you married a human trust me neither person in a marriage is the same person the moment after they say I do as they were the, the moment before they said I do there's something about saying those words that pulls the cover off. And if you go into a marriage thinking you know one another, <laughs> I stopped doing, uh, years and years ago, I stopped doing premarital counseling. Why? Don't you care? No, they don't care. It was, it was a waste of time to do premarriage counseling. They all knew more than we did. They didn't care. And I figured if I'm going to have to do all this counseling after they're married, why waste time before? <laughs> I'm being serious. That's exactly what I thought. So unless somebody pressed me, I never ever suggested premarital counseling because they weren't going to listen anyway. There's no greater expert on marriage than somebody that's not. Like there's no greater expert on what Christianity is like somebody that's not one. And so you, you watch that. You watch people get married and, you, and the, the big day and the hope and, and all of that. And then you, you watch people how to... Try to learn how to deal with disappointment in their mate and their parents and their children, or worst of all, in yourself. We do not live in a world of hope. We don't. And the reason is because most of the world denies the only source of hope. There's only one source of hope. It's not government. It's not an old president, a new president, an old Congress, a new Congress. It's not the old tax bill. It's not the new tax bill or any of the other things that our 
that people get so wrapped up in. And what are they really trying to do? They've got a way they think they can make life better so they can have hope. Hope. And forgive my, if I'm not apologizing, I'm just simply saying, I understand that being a preacher, I'm perceived certain ways, and that's not, I can't do anything about that, so I couldn't worry about it. But I believe with all of my heart, there's only one source of hope. And it's not a what, it's him. There's only one source of hope. You see, there's only one constant in this world. There's one constant. I was telling my granddaughter on the way here because we were talking. She, we drove over Severn River on 50 and she saw the ice in the water. And, and uh, she said, well, look, it's almost frozen over. And I said, yeah. A long time ago, uh, the Chesapeake Bay was so frozen over you could drive your car across it. She said, did, did you do that? I hope that, if I remember correctly, that was in the 20s or 30s. and I was born in 46, so no, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I said to my wife a couple of years ago, our, our grandchildren will never know the country you and I were raised in. Some of that's good. Some of it is. Not all of it's good. So, sitting here today, How would you define the amount of hope in you? Hope for what? Well, I'm talking about you. Hope for you. Hope for your life. Hope for your future. How about hope for your tomorrow? It, it cracks me up when people of intelligence believe that all of this came into existence by some coincidental, random, haphazard event. <laughs> An explosion produces chaos. Okay, if the Big Bang was an explosion, why is it that the results of that expo explosion is order to a degree known no place on earth?
Why is that the case? How is it that there are books or if you're into technology like me, you have an app that can tell you the exact moment of sunrise and sunset for any place on earth for decades and centuries in the past, decades and centuries into the future. If all of this is such a random, unplanned, uncontrolled existence, then how in the world can you predict that to such a degree? How can the tides be predicted to the minute in any geographical location in the world? How is that possible if this is all a result of some random explosion? How can the stars be so fixed that mariners before GPS, and some of you are so young you can't remember there not being GPS, but you don't have to be much older than 20 to at least live when GPS was not the, the, the normal. To have a phone. <laughs> That any place in the world I go, I can pull up on Google Maps and it'll get me from where I am to where I want to go and even pronounce the names of the streets correctly in another language. That's unfathomable. Because 25 years ago, you had a map printed out and you had a map book and you had to figure out how to get from where you were to there and you had no idea. So the point I'm making to you is it's not that long in the past when for ships in the age of sophistication, any kind of ship to cross the Atlantic or the Pacific had to count on the stars being where they've always been. How is that a product of a random act? when those stars have been that predictable for the entire existence of man. And I don't remember seeing the headline lately where the offspring of a monkey was a human because it's still happening. And yet there are intelligent people that have chosen to believe such stupidity because that allows them to deny the one who is behind all this. But you know what they do when they do that? They eliminate the source of hope. Because Paul said it this way, if I have hope in this life only, I'm of all men most miserable. If I'm trying to have hope here and now, and this is it, my life is empty. My life's empty. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to condemn. I'm, I, I'd like to pull the cover off something. You know, there are people here, the last day, couple of days, you were with a bunch of friends and everybody had on their plastic smiles and 
everybody's laughing and talking and joking and 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 you know having a big time and everybody was acting crazy and everybody acted like they were having fun and then when the music stops and somebody goes home and they lay down and try to go to sleep that person doesn't exist anymore because that person is just someone you put on to fake your friends out and make them think that you're that you you're loving life it's all a sham it's fake It's all a product of hopelessness. And I don't want to acknowledge to people I have no hope. So I've learned how to pretend, go through the motions. I mean, I played sports in high school. I played church softball until I was 56. Still play golf when I get a chance to. Not anti-sports. But here in a few, it, by next a week from tomorrow night, we're going to crown this year's national college football champion. And you know how long that is good for? Oh, maybe 24 hours. Because everybody else has already started preparing for next season. And all of that joy and all of that excitement... It's so short-lived because there's nothing lasting about it. And we're on the Super Bowl run, and today is the, the last game of all the teams to determine playoff order. And then we're going to have the playoffs, and then in a few weeks somebody's going to win the Super Bowl, and that's going to last just a few hours because every other team is already going to be started planning on how they can win the next Super Bowl. And the team that won it, if they bask in that victory too long, they won't win it next year. And so it's so permanent, isn't it? It's so, it so transcends life, doesn't it? Right. Right. My granddaughter and I were, we went, we started on those birth years deals. We, we went through the whole family. What year were you born? What, what year was so and so born? And, and uh, my eldest son, David's youngest son, was born in 19, uh, or 2003. Okay, 2003. And then, my youngest son was born in 1980. His wife was born in 1983. And you know what the, immediately went through my mind in 1983? The last year the Orioles won the World Series. Oh, oh and by the way, my daughter-in-law was born that year. It's sad. Yeah, 1983. So if you're an Orioles fan, it's a good thing you don't need hope from them. It's a good thing they're not your source of hope. With them trying to trade Manny Machado. So we're headed into that 2018 season with no hope. Isn't that amazing? There's enough stuff in life that steals hope to have to root for a team that has no hope. 
It's the point, please, you see. It's the point. And then comes the March Madness for the basketball championship. And there's always a Cinderella team. You know what a Cinderella team is? It was a team that nobody gave any hope that they had would even be good this year. And somehow they managed to beat some other teams. But the last time a Cinderella team won the national championship, it's been a long time. Why? Because it's all about hope. I know it sounds like I'm wandering, but I'm not. I'm in the world. I'm not uninformed of what's going on in the world. I keep up with what's going on the best I can. But I'm not of the world. I refuse to submit to what they say I'm supposed they, you know, the the terrible they, the faceless they, what they say I'm supposed to do or think because they have proven to me their way doesn't work. Their way doesn't give hope. (laughs) I believe in education. But education alone doesn't give you hope. How many many young, young people graduate with degrees can't find jobs? Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get an education. I'm going to make good money. Really a slight problem. Somebody's going to want to hire you for what you were educated to do. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to get a raise. I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just simply saying to you, if you're trusting in all these things for your hope, you don't have any. But God in his wisdom, this changeless God, this God who is the constant in everything. He was here before there was anything. He'll be here when there's nothing else left. The God who is who is the constant in everything. He is the only source of hope. He's the only one. I love my wife and she's she is an amazing wife. But she's 66, and we've already had one bout of cancer. And, you know, and even though I'm older than her, there's no guarantee she's not going to leave me in death. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. I can't put my hope of happiness in her. She can't put her hope of happiness in me. You want, you want to guarantee a marriage is going to fail? Get married believing that person is the one that's going to make you happy. If you're not happy before you get married, your marriage isn't going to make you happy. Because you're not marrying a deity, you're marrying a human. And there's nothing like putting pressure on your mate to be flawless and perfect and the source of all your happiness to destroy that marriage. And if you're not happy and you're blaming your wife or your husband that you're not happy, it's just an excuse. You're just excusing yourself. You're not being honest about who you are, 
what you're doing, what you're not doing, and the fact that you haven't figured it out yet. Well, if I could just have children, they'll make me happy. (laughs) I love my children. I love my grandchildren. But they are not my source of happiness, praise God. They are not. And if children are your source of happiness, trust me, either through sickness or death or marriage or they just decide to leave home and do their own thing. They're going their own way. And then your source of happiness is gone. Gone. The title of this message is The God of New Beginnings. How badly did did he want me to believe this message? Because he made sure that you knew every day about his intention for you to have a new beginning. I don't have to wait a full 24 hours to experience a new beginning every day. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. That's my source of hope. Well, what if things don't change today? I only have 24 hours to wait for another opportunity for them to change and get better. Now, now, (laughs) here's the disclaimer. There is a, you know, the fine print? This isn't the fine print. It's in the book. It's not in small print. It's the regular print in the book. This is the disclaimer. Tomorrow's not going to bring you a better day unless you have given yourself to the source of that new day. Unless he ha- is the one. I, 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 we were, my wife and I were riding behind a vehicle and, and, and it, if you looked at the left bumper sticker, yesterday, this was just yesterday. You look at the left bumper sticker, you'd say this person had faith. God is in control. But on the other side of the tag, there was another bumper sticker. Just for today. God's in control. Just for today. Uh, that person doesn't understand how to have hope. Because God's in control for those who will allow him to be every day. Do you understand that humans are the only part of God's creation that he does not control? He promised way, way, way back then that as long as the earth existed, there would be seed time and harvest. Promised it. Guaranteed it. That's why he said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven 
and forgive their sins and heal their land. What is he talking about? He's in control. And he allows stuff to get our attention. The only, <laughs> the only thing God's ever created he doesn't control is you and I. Why? Because we were created in his image and we were given something that is closer to deity than anything else. And that's the power to choose. No other thing that God has created has the power to choose. That's why he can guarantee summer, winter, harvest, seed time and harvest. He can guarantee that. And he does guarantee that. Guarantees it. He is in control. But the bottom line is, am I in tune with the one who's in control? Or am I walking out of step with him? You ever, you ever watched a parade? I had uh, several years of regular parades. And let me tell you something. It only takes, you can have 110 guys, or now men and women, in a company of people marching. And it looks really, really good unless there's one person out of step. And you can have 109 people in step. And you don't notice the 109 people in step. You automatically, without trying, see the one who is out of step. Well, that's the way humans are with God. It's glaring when you and I or out of step with him. Well, he should just do for me anyway. Really? Really? I guess that's the new parenting rule, isn't it? I know, I'm an old fogey. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. But... Uh, my house, my rules. I love you. <laughs> you know? I love you. I love, I'm talking about my children, my grandchildren. I love you. You're welcome here anytime. But this is my house. These are my rules. You're welcome to visit. But if you want to be a part of this household, my house, my rules. Why? Because I want peace in my house. And I'm not going to let anything abide in my house that takes our household out of step with the one who's the source of hope. Now, I've, I've covered a lot of stuff so far today I really didn't expect to cover because I've Sprinkle a little ministry over here, a little ministry in here, a little bit. Let's just, just let's go this way a little bit, and then we'll talk about this for a little while. See, there's one message, but I keep 
I've preached about 20 different ones along the way, you see. Well, you, you, if, if, if you really loved your kids, you, you would live like, uh, no, no. I do that because I love my kids. You're willing for them to suffer? No, 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 I'm not willing for them to suffer. But I can't override their choices. I can't undo their choices or the consequences of their choices. And if they want to make choices that are like that, then they have to deal with the consequences. I'm not their savior. I can't fix it. And there's some of you parents in here today that are so distressed because you're trying to fix your kids and they're not, they don't want to be fixed. And you know what? That's okay. But until you want to blame all your choices on me, and I'm not, you know, I'm, you, know you, you don't like the way it goes? Okay. But your choices are not my fault. You made those choices. And those consequences are yours. And I I love you and I'll help you if I can, but I'm not going to subject myself and compromise with your choices. I'm not compromising with your choices. I'm not doing it. I'm not compromising. Boy, you're hard. No, I'm not hard at all. I just have a biblical definition of love, not this one that's love today. See, today, you don't love a person unless you agree with everything they do. That's stupid. So that means if I look in the mirror and I don't like everything I see, then I don't love myself? I just got these things about a month ago. And I, they really emphasize the fact that what I see in the mirror every day is there. And that is that this ear is higher than this ear and this ear sits closer to the front of my face than this ear. And and it emphasizes that. And I said to my wife the other day, have you ever noticed how uneven my ears are? And she looked at me and said, no, I've never noticed that. And I thought to myself, well, I thought you'd looked at me before, but apparently you've never seen me. Because they've been like this as long as I've been alive that I know of. Yeah. This one over here lays flatter to my head. This one sticks out a little bit more now. But with this hearing aid, this one sticks out closer to this one now. They kind of are a little more even with something behind them. There was space here, and it just filled the space. But this created space. And so, you know what? And uh, they claim you outgrow acne. I still have acne. It's true. 70, almost 72 years old, I still have acne. And then what I, even though I have less acne, now I have all these age spots. So I've never had a clear complex in my entire life. Seriously. If you've had perfectly clear skin, God bless you. You're not responsible for that, and I'm not responsible for this. Doesn't make you better or me worse or vice versa. It's just 
It's just what I was given to deal with. So, am I going to look in the mirror and hate myself? Because I don't necessarily, wouldn't prefer. Well, they can do plastic surgery. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why? Yeah. Need to fix these ears. No. The greatest test of love is to love you even though I don't agree with you. The greatest test of love is when I can love you even though I don't agree with you. It is not love to that it's you can't say I only love you if I agree with everything you do. Because if that's the case, then God's never loved anybody. Because every one of us have done things that God didn't agree with. So that means he can't love us. The God of new beginnings. The God of new beginnings. Isn't he amazing how he laid all this out? Man didn't create any of this. It's like, it's like the idiot sitting under the tree, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but honestly. And an apple fell out of the tree, supposedly hit him on the head, and he invented the law of gravity like it was never there before. Sir Isaac Newton invented the law of gravity because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and an apple fell out of a tree and hit him in the head. Gave him a concussion apparently. Oh, come on now. Isn't it amazing what man takes the credit for? The God of new beginnings. He has created. He created. He created. All of this. Man, man simply gave a way for man to measure it. Okay. There's no place in the Bible that says there's 24 hours in a day. Man just figured it. Okay, let's see. There's a certain amount of time in a day. And yet, that's not measured by sun's sunrise and sunset because that varies every day by seconds or longer every day so man measured this and he called it 24 hours and then man came up with a calendar of course the calendar has to be adjusted every four years because the calendar's not perfect you see because man did the calendar but with all that being the case there is a cycle to every day there's a new there's a time the sun comes up every day. Even when the clouds block it all out, the sun comes up every day. Every day. And every approximately 365 days, there's a new cycle of life that begins. Summer, fall, winter, spring. Every 365 days, there's a new cycle of life. Why would a changeless God create such an environment for man to live in just to be another opportunity for him to communicate to us here's an opportunity for a new beginning 
And we recognize that, don't we? Because, because how many people make New Year's resolutions? It's a new year. I'm going to make, I'm going to make up my mind that this, this, and this, and this that I don't like or that I won't change. That I want, I want to do this like, I want, the, I want it to be like this this year. I want to live like that. I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to, I'm going to, waste less time I'm going to it's a, you know we go through all of that the problem the problem with change is to be motivated to change I have to have hope I can change I'll say that again the problem with a new beginning is that I have to have hope that things could be different in a new beginning. If I've given up hope, the turning over of the calendar tonight, the turning over the clock at midnight, the rising of the sun has no effect upon me in a positive way as far as my hope is concerned. If I don't, Believe things can be different. And here's the problem, folks. The day you accept things the way they are in you, in your family, in your life, in your character, in your conduct, is the day you quit growing. And the day you quit growing is the day you quit living. And if you're not growing and you're not living, then at best, you're existing. At worst, you're dying. And the problem is, I can't really separate those two. Jesus made a statement that the religious people of his day did not like. They didn't agree with it. They were upset about it. Whoever believes in me shall never die. He said that. Whoever believes in me shall never die. And they go, who do you think you are? And they start naming people that died. But they didn't get this. Whoever believes in me shall never die means for that person, death is only a transition. It's not even a cessation. It's not a cessation of existence. It's not even a loss of consciousness. In March of 2006, I stood around the bedside of my dad and uh, he was dying that day. We got there about eight. He didn't pass till about five. And I was so torn up because he was dying, my dad, my hero. And I was standing there. It was almost exactly noon. I was standing right by, up by his head. I was holding his hand and had my hand on his shoulder. And we were trying to sing, and I couldn't sing for crying. And I heard these words go through my head. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And Instantly, all of my sorrow left. 
because I knew my dad wasn't going anywhere. He, we, I was raised in the Navy. You were raised in the Coast Guard, okay? You know what it's like. Orders come in, you pack up everything, you move to a new house. You don't cease to be you because you move to a new state or live in a new house. I did that so many times as a kid. I instantly understood that's what that voice was talking about. My dad was always going to be there. He's always going to be conscious. He's just changing houses. That house is just, that body was just a house. And the Bible actually calls it that. Our house. It's a house. He wasn't going to cease to be. He wasn't even going to lose consciousness. And the Bible has several examples to tell us this. In fact, Jesus said this. Haven't you read where it's said that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And Jesus said to the crowd, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. He didn't say I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob though they're not in this life, have not ceased to be. And whatever relationship that with God they had in this life, they've at least carried that relationship over into the next life. Oh, you see, and that's the problem. You and I are going to carry whatever relationship we have with God when we leave here over to the next life good or bad. Death doesn't change your relationship with God. It just transitions it from one existence to another. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because I am the God of the living, not the dead. Hope. Hope. We have hope. Oh, yeah, okay, some of us, we don't know how we're going to pay our rent. Others don't know. We don't know what we're going to do with all the money we've got. I don't know who lives in more fear. That is true. I don't know who lives with more fear and worry, the person with no money or the person with too much money. Well, I, let me see how, what I can do with this to not have to give more of it to the government than I need to. Where can I save it? Where can I invest it? <laughs> you know why? You know why we call those things possessions? Because they're possessed. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about spirits. Who possesses? Do you possess the possessions? Or do your possessions possess you? And look, <laughs> look at look at the amount of the more you have, the more of your life that you have to invest into your possessions. Why? Because they rust. 
They get old. They fall apart. I'm not a coffee drinker. I, I was raised by a coffee drinker. My dad was not saved till 10 years after this church was started. So I was raised by a sailor. And when he was home, almost, well, he didn't do this in bed, but if he was awake, he had a cigarette in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other, and those two smells mingled in my mind. And I can't smell one without smelling the other. I can't. And that's tough when my wife is a coffee drinker. Okay. And the other day, this coffee pot she had, she really liked, it didn't, it stopped working. And she's not fanatical with her coffee except in the morning. She wants her coffee in the morning. All right, so that which she had been counting on to supply her with her legal addictive stimulant <laughs> stopped working. And now her whole morning is thrown out of kelter. And we had to order one on Amazon and wait for it to come in so that life could get back to normal. Because the problem is, you see, if your hope is in anything in this life, not, not good. Not good. I thank God for everything I've been blessed with. I do. I thank God. Everything that I have received, he gave it. As an addition, I didn't seek it, but I thank him for it. He's blessed me with it. I'm happy. But I, my kids came and sat down a couple of days before Christmas and said, Dad, we have a problem. Okay. We don't have any clue what to get you for Christmas. I said, yeah, it's pretty hard to get somebody something when there's nothing they want. Will you have everything you want? No, no, no. I have Jesus. Literally, this is, they go through this when I, my birthday or Christmas. I couldn't, I couldn't stand here right now and tell you there's something I really want. Well, I do. Yeah, I want to get up in the morning. I want to be able to walk and talk and I want my brain to work. Okay. My wife will never need hearing aids, but she can't see. I, got, I can see, but now I need to hear. Okay. We're quite a pair. <laughs> Just as long as we don't cover the wrong thing. She can't see, I can't hear. But if she goes, I can't hear, and I go, I can't see, we're really blind then, see. We're in trouble. Because this stuff gets old. It stops working. I had pilot's eyes. 2010 in the left, 2015 in the right. That's why one of the reasons I was able to be a pilot. But I'm 45 and something's wrong because the books are fuzzy 
and I can't get them far enough away to read. And I go to see the doctor. Sir, I've got something really bad wrong with my eyes. He said, how old are you? I said, wait, wait, this has nothing to do with my age. There's something wrong with my eyes. I can't see. You need to run some tests. He said, how old are you? I said, I'm 45. He said, that's what's wrong with your eyes. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to tell me that's what's wrong with my eyes without doing one single test. Yeah, that's what's wrong with your eyes. He said, and right now you'll only need reading glasses, but one day you'll need glasses to be able to see at a distance. Wait, wait, wait. Do you know what my eyes were at 22? People don't believe this, but it's the truth before God. When I was a kid, they didn't put the price of the fuel on the sign outside the service station. So my dad would drive down the road and I would read the price off the pumps as we rode by. A truth. It's the absolute truth. And then he'd turn around and go back to the one that had the cheapest gas. <laughs> and now you're telling me I not only need glasses to read and one day I'll need glasses to see in a distance. You say, where's your glasses now? I had cataracts and they put permanent lenses in there and this one is 2015 and this is 2020 thank God for cataracts (laughs) you see all this stuff gets old it breaks down my wife persists in having pictures of what I look like when she married me on the wall. And I'm saying to her, honestly, why do you have that up there? This isn't the guy you married. Not by several pounds. And the hair? It was, I had hair. I've gotten where I go too long between haircuts now just trying to because then I get to play with all this long stuff even though there's not a whole lot of piracy. But I'm not doing comb-overs, I promise you. That's not happening. uh, I am not not ever doing a comb-over. It's not happening. If you do that, God bless you. But not, not happening. Because you see, if this is your hope, it's only a matter of time till it will be proven to you how terrible this is as a source of hope. There's no consistency in this life except God. His word is true. His word is not changed. I can count on what was true in his word 2,000 years ago to be true in his word today. I, if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, uh, I posted this the other day. And it's a real problem. We've, we've gotten to the place in this country where this is a problem. I posted that Jesus made this statement. <clears throat> I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you understand right now in this country, if you believe that is true, you are at odds with the spirit of this age in this country. 
you are you are some kind of ists. I don't know if that's racist or whatever, but you're you're anti people. No, I'm for the Bible. And I believe the Bible, and that's what it says, and that's what I believe because that's what it says. And that book hasn't changed in 2,000 years, and I can count on it. Can you count on what you rely on? I can count on that being true. And guess what else? I not only can count on it being true, I've proven it to be true. Over and over, everything I've put to the test in that book has been reliable. Everything. Everything in that book. I've said this many times, and if you've heard it, forgive me. You're about to hear it again, but somebody needs to hear this. I have an affliction. I do. I really do. I'm very narrow-minded. And I'll tell you how narrow-minded I am. I can tell you exactly the parameters of my narrow-mindedness. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. And anything that disagrees with what's between those pages, I'm against. Oh, hallelujah. I'm for what it says. God's for. I'm against what it says God is against. What can't you think for yourself? <laughs> Do you think I got this far not thinking for myself? Because I've learned what thinking for myself does, and I've never ended up liking the outcome. Because to take a stand contrary to what the book says is a problem. Because the scripture says in the final chapters, there's coming a day where there's going to be a great white throne judgment. And the books are going to be open and we're going to be judged out of what's written in the books. That's what it says. You don't have to believe that. That's your choice. But it's your gamble also. You can choose to gamble. That is a lie. You, you're well, you, you, you have the right to do that. You have a right to choose to gamble that that's a lie. That you're not accountable to the word of God. You're not accountable to what's true. But the book says that the nation that forgets God is going to be turned into hell. And when notable senators examine people for office and violate the Constitution by making their faith in the Bible a point that disqualifies them from being a judge. For instance, the presidential candidate Sanders, who violated the Constitution of the United States by questioning a person who was a candidate for a judgeship on their faith in the Bible and saying their faith in the Bible disqualified them from being a judge in this country. And that happened a second time. It's happened twice, not by the same senator. And there was no media uproar about it. 
There was very little backlash over it, even though it was absolutely unconstitutional. Oh, in the same media, even though it was some 50 plus years ago, got all up in arms because people were questioning John Kennedy becoming president because he was Catholic. Well, it was wrong. It was wrong to question that. Our Constitution does not put a freedom of religion does not put a, a, a restriction on what your faith is to hold office in this country. But the same people who went in that uproar, the same institution, the media, did not go into an uproar when people were questioned for having faith in the Bible in the, in the halls of Congress. So they were disqualified. So you, you, you have to understand something here, okay? This world is disassociating themselves with the source of hope. But it's my choice not to. I'm closing. But this, is, this is his promise. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, preacher, is that, is that verse true in your life? Not yet. But the Lord is working on it. It doesn't matter. If I'm breathing, he's working on it. As long as I'm here, he's still working on it. Every day, every new year, the Lord is working on bringing me in him to the place that it can be said every, if, if I'm in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm not there yet. I'm not, I don't know who said this originally. I'm not what I, I'm not what I uh, am supposed to be, but I'm not what I once was. God is, it's a growth process. It's a, it is a process. It's not an event. It's a process. Every day is a process. And some days are better than others in my participation in that process. But the good thing is, tomorrow morning I've got a new day to start. Because this is, these are verses I pray right here almost every day. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God's love, mercy, compassion is new every morning. Because his faithfulness to us, because of his faithfulness and keeping his word, is great. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. You can count on him. But why, why does he allow this and all that? that? If I read his word, I would know. I would know why all this happens. 
In fact, Jesus told us up front, in the world we would have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He said, in me you might have peace, in the world you're going to have trouble. Because this is not heaven. This is not it. This is not the destination. This is temporary. And every day I I get up and look at myself in the mirror and I know how temporary it, it is. I remember when there were no wrinkles in the back of that hand. I remember when there were no age spots. It seems like yesterday. I got out on the floor yesterday playing with Noah with this new little racetrack thing he had. And my wife half-jokingly said, are you going to need me to help you get up? I can remember the years of playing football. How quickly you bounce back up. I don't even know how you bounce up, but you bounce up. I don't bounce up anymore at all I I bounce falling but I don't bounce up because things change if you have hope in this life only you're of all men most miserable here's the other thing that's so amazing okay that's not an excuse for a poor life that's not a cop out for God because things are terrible no No, because here's the truth. He promised. He promised that he came to bring life and life more abundantly. (laughs) The reason I'm on a crusade against religion, Christianity being practiced as a religion, because it cheats you out of all that he promised to give you. There's an old song that I've sung many times it kind of goes like this just to walk with him means everything to me just to know he's there his hand is leading me though the world may pass me by go their way Let me be just to walk with him means everything to me. I've told this many times, but we'd walk into the infusion center while my wife was going through chemo. And uh, we had so many people there say, oh, it is so good to see you guys. You bring light in this place every time you come. You come in here with smiles on your faces. You come in here with joy and, and, and you walk down, you can't, I mean, you, you walk down the hallway getting to your cubicle and you see these people sitting and you can feel the fear rolling out of these rooms. And some were people sitting in there alone and a few would have somebody with them. And I said to my wife after about halfway through, I don't know how they do this by themselves. How do you go through chemo without God? How do you face an unknown future without God? How do you face it when you're putting all your hope in medicine 
even with the oncologist telling us before we started chemo, I can't give you any guarantees that my medicine will help you at all. I only hope it reduces the tumors enough that the surgery might work. That was her hope she gave us. But we had hope because we had peace. Because just to walk with him means everything to me. Just to know he's there. His hand is leading me. Though the world may pass me by. Go their way. Let me be just to walk with him means everything to me. Because you see, when you're walking with him, you are never alone. Never alone. I had concern for my wife, but I had peace through the whole thing. Why? Because I walk with the one who's in control. I serve the one who is in control and I trust him. And if you're just practicing this as a religion, if you're just coming here out of some obligation, you're cheating yourself. Nobody else is cheating you. You're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. If you know the song, sing it with me one more time. Just to walk with him means everything to me. Just to know he's there. His hand is leading me. Though the world may pass me by, go their way, let me be just to walk with him means everything to me. Would you reach over and take somebody by the hand on both sides of you, whether they sing it or not, just to walk with him means everything to me just to know he's there his hand is leading me though the world may pass me by go their way let me be just to walk with him means everything to me I want to say something to you before I uh, before we pray and dismiss this service God has trusted you specifically with a great opportunity to demonstrate 
his word and his structure in 2018. There isn't anything that could happen through this structure, your, your new structure this coming year that will surprise me. There's only one limitation on how many people will be fellowshipping with you at the end of 2018. One limitation. And that is whether there's enough committed, dedicated, submitted people to be in leadership over all the potential groups that could start this coming year. People are going to get saved, delivered. Marriages are going to be put back together. God's going to work. He's going to work. And there's no one who can sit here and say, well, I don't have a fair opportunity. That's a lie. Because we don't care how old you are, how young you are. We don't care if you're married or divorced. And needless to say, race is no issue. Everybody has an equal opportunity to not only participate, but to submit themselves to be trained for and one day lead your own group. Everybody. And the only limitation on where this congregation of believers will be at the end of 2018 is if you run out of leaders and you have to let groups with full, that have filled up houses stay like they are and not divide. And I understand emotions and I understand emotional attachments, but I'm going to say something to you. If you let a group stay full, a group in a house Fill that house up and stay like that for an extended period of time. It will kill every good thing going on in that group if, you, if you're unwilling to participate in its division. But what, but what if I got friends or I love all these people in this group. What if they're in the other group? Well, there are plans for groups to get together in twos and threes and fours and fives, the ones that have some connection as they grow, where there are regular fellowships so you can see other people. You can also see them at church on Sunday morning if you'll come, and then on the training times on during the week. So there's other places you can see. But hear me. You cannot grow by passively participating. You personally can't grow by passive participation. If you want to grow in God, you've got to be a part of what he's doing. And it doesn't say these exact words, but the principle is clearly demonstrated. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were his sheep not having a shepherd. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. There's no shortage of people that want to be saved. The more this world goes the direction it's going, the emptier people are getting. And even if their minds have been conditioned against the Lord Jesus Christ, 
They can't control the hunger and the emptiness of their spirits that wants and needs to know the one who is the only one that can fill their emptiness. And if you're willing, if you're willing, yes, there are leadership requirements. And that's not punishment or whatever. It's just the scripture says that we're supposed to speak the same things. We're supposed to speak the same things. We're supposed to have one voice to people. Okay? And the leadership requirements are not for the purpose of restricting or eliminating. It's so that we're all on the same page, going the same direction. And there's nothing in there that is unreasonable to ask. But especially for those of you who've been around a while, if you just go to a group and sit on the sidelines and you don't make yourself available to God, to God, to be a part of this, there are going to be people much younger and the Lord's going to blow past you in their growth and development. And while I'll be happy to see them grow, I'll feel bad for you when the opportunity is yours first. It's yours first. So uh, I'm repeating to you what I've said in the past. There isn't any decision made in the direction of this group that hasn't been discussed with me first and been given my approval. That's how submitted your pastor is. And if you don't agree with stuff or whatever, you're not really taking it up with him. You'll have to take it up with me. Because the bottom line is, it is my fault that Antioch got away from the original revelation of what the care groups were. And God is using you to restore to Antioch the original revelation of the care ministry and what it's supposed to be, what its purpose is, how it's supposed to function. And everything you're doing was a part of the original revelation. We're not going off into some unknown. We're going back to what God instituted for Antioch. And it is my fault if the other two groups are not abiding by that Revelation, because I had allowed it to drift from that before I ever gave up being the pastor. So I'm not going to blame somebody else that's not doing this. But I promise you, the other two groups are more established and they've got facilities and all that. They will come around. It is not your right to judge them. Do what God's leading you to do and mind your own business. And don't go trying to recruit people out of the other two congregations for here. That's called division and discord. Okay? So, God bless you. I'm, I'm really excited about what God is going to be, is doing and going to be doing here. And uh, you know what, I, I could easily could have turned this into a direction of just prayer, but there are times where 
the word is seed that's being sown that needs a little while to grow and germinate. And I don't feel like a message like this today is one where you call for people to make a decision today because some of you need to think about this. And in your celebrating, <laughs> in your celebrating of the new year tonight and tomorrow and whatever, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this word is going to be in your spirit and in your subconscious talking to you challenging you to give yourself to him to a degree like you never have before and to find out really who you are in God I, I appreciate every person here that's walking by faith every day just for survival and all the way on the other end I thank God for every person in here who has the challenge of trying to lead a, a, a business or some kind of uh, where they're high ranking in a government job or whatever and they have all kind of people answering to them that's what's so beautiful here we don't sit with labels on us we're all one body regardless of where you came from regardless of what you do on a daily basis god bless you but that's that's what only the lord jesus christ can make this kind of diversity economic diversity uh job type diversity where each one of us has different responsibilities in our day-to-day -day lives, bring all that diversity together and make us one body. But what an opportunity. I, I wish I had the vocabulary and the ability to express my feelings, to somehow get across to you how great of an opportunity you have in 2018 as a group of people and as individuals in this group. When this next year's over with, if you're still sit, sitting as a spectator, as a spectator, there's only one person you'll be able to blame for that. The one you look at in the mirror in the morning. Because the opportunity's here in abundance if you're just willing to be the Lord's disciple. And again, I, I like this idea of what, what's being done next, starting next week where you have a teaching session in the first session and then you have church after that and Sunday school so that the Sunday school teachers and the kids can be in the church service and everybody can be together. That's awesome also. I, I'm, I'm, I, that's, that's good. And I'm happy about that. So uh, praise God. And I know you know more about this than I do, but uh, your Thursday nights being given to not just having another church service, but to teaching and training and uh and, and, and getting people qualified to, to become everything God wants them to be, that's awesome too. So uh, we're, we're working at trying to get some kind of facility over here where multiple classes can be held and you don't have to drive all the way to Annapolis in the, in the traffic and in the weather and all that on Thursday nights. We're working on that. Several times we thought we've had places and it just didn't work. But uh, that, the... Uh, Leadership team here has full uh, privilege and green light to do everything it can to find a, a, a facility that would allow you to have Thursday night services and, and other meetings and, and prayer meetings and other activities, whatever. So uh, the, we're not talking about finding a facility for church. We're staying right here for church on Sundays, but 
we are looking for some some other place this direction uh, that would allow you to have your meetings over here on Thursday night. Uh, I mean, when people in Arnold complain about the traffic trying to get to church, I can't imagine what yours is. (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for every individual here today. I thank you for the privilege of being your conduit to speak to these people today. I commit this word that you have given into every heart and mind and spirit that's been in this place that has heard this or will hear this message in the future. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this seed would germinate and produce fruit to maturity and to peace and hope and walking with you in what you'd have us to be and to become. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. Be safe. Uh, you do. You are aware that a lot of places have canceled their New Year's Eve celebrations. Uh, I'm recommending you stay inside too, someplace, because baby, it's cold outside. <laughs>